Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. My name is David Lally. I'm the producer of the show, and I know we may be in challenging times, but that's just why we've been working on shows to keep us upbeat and focused on the good stuff. Let's listen in. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. We have two very special guests on the program today trying to get the message out in regards to housing during this time of coronavirus. Very honored to have Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. And we have the Commissioner for the Federal Housing Commission himself, the Assistant Secretary for HUD, Brian Montgomery. Commissioner Montgomery, thank you for joining us also. I really appreciate you guys being on today. Thank you. Great stuff. I want to give a little background on both you gentlemen just to give our audience a big overview. Dr. Carson, born in Detroit, Michigan, graduate of Yale and the University of Michigan Medical School. He became the youngest chief of pediatric neurosurgery at age 33. Think about audience where you were at 33. I know where I was and I wasn't there. In 2001, he was named by CNN and Time Magazine as one of the nation's 20 foremost physicians and scientists. And since 2017, he's been the 17th Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Brian Montgomery is a Texan, graduated from University of Houston and the University of Austin. And he has served as the head of the FHA under three administrations. He's responsible for the management of FHA's $1.4 trillion mortgage insurance portfolio back when the word trillion was a new word. Gentlemen, really appreciate you being with us here today. Dr. Carson, I, I watched you on Saturday at the White House briefing, and you talked about health and housing and how they go hand in hand. And we have a lot of housing-related questions for both of you guys today, but as one of the nation's foremost respected physicians, I'd love to hear your insight on this pandemic at this time. Well, obviously, this is an unprecedented event in our country and across the world because of the incredible nature of this particular virus, which is extremely contagious and moves at a very, very rapid pace. But fortunately, you know, we have put together a task force, which is looking at every aspect of the disease, looking at what's happened in other countries, analyzing that data in order to provide the best information for the president, this too will pass. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people need to understand. Mm -hmm. It will come and it will go. And uh, it seems to have a particular predilection for elderly people, people with underlying medical conditions, particularly those that impact the immune system adversely. And, you know, we have to recognize that by shutting down the whole country, we also have some significant economic consequences. So we're going to have to fashion solutions that take everything into account. We don't want to destroy one area to say that we've succeeded in another area. Yes, crazy times. It is amazing also to see everybody coming together and everybody social distancing and doing these kinds of things. We sent a couple of hundred of our employees home about a week ago, and it's remarkable to see everybody getting the job done no matter what. People should understand that each one of us plays a significant role. Mm. One person can serve as a vector if they're careless and infect three other people very quickly, and those three infect three others mm. and others, and, and it just goes on very, very quickly. That's what we've seen in places like Italy. That's what we're seeing in New York right now. Mm. And people must take the social distancing 
very seriously. I heard one commentator say, act as if you have the virus at all times and you'll do the right thing. It's probably yeah. a good way to go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you mentioned as part of that press conference that you talked about the American dream and you talked about having a safe home as part of health and home. I'd love your thoughts right now on what home ownership means to us as individuals, as families and as a country. Well, you know, having a place that you can call your own, a place that you can go to and be supported, you can't put a value on that. It's so vitally important. And, uh, you know, that peace of mind allows you to grow and to plan. If, if you're always just trying to survive, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Also recognize that home ownership is the number one mechanism of wealth accumulation in this nation. Mm-hmm. The average renter has a net worth of 5000 The average homeowner a net worth of 200000 mm-hmm. That's a 40-fold difference. And that's one of the reasons that we emphasize it, but we emphasize it in the right way. You know, things that were learned with the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. You don't put somebody in a house they can't afford because they lose the house, their credit, and their future possibilities. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Even though people were thinking, you know, if we can manipulate this and that and the other and have these subprime interest rates and, and somehow we can get everybody into a home, that makes absolutely no sense. But you know, we're looking at other ways of doing it. Commissioner Montgomery has done an amazing job over at FHA in terms of stabilizing the mutual mortgage insurance fund and a variety of things that were going askew to make home ownership sustainable once you have it. No question. I think it's very important for people to understand that we're in a radically different place going into this crisis than we were the mortgage crisis. And, you know, we had record sales in February, and February seems like a a year ago, two years ago, but the economy's strong, the fundamentals are strong. We recently interviewed Dr. Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, just giving us, you know, the dynamics of where we are and how strong the banks are and how strong the, uh, the real estate market is as a whole. Maybe you guys could both comment for people, because they see the stock market drop 30% in three weeks even though it only affects about 50% of the population exposed to stocks, it makes everybody feel like the whole world is falling. And what I've been trying to share with people is your home value didn't go down 30% in the last three weeks. The value of your home right now seems to have been more important to anybody than ever before because we've been asked to stay home. Maybe uh, I would ask both of you, I'll start with you, Secretary, and then I'll ask you, Mr. Commissioner, You know, maybe you could speak to your overall view of the housing market and the strength of it, even in the midst of this time of crisis. Well, you know, in the last month, we had for single-family housing, you know, the best month in more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the subsequent month, it may be starting to see a little impact. We're down 4.4%. But, you know, 4.4% based on a month that was record-breaking. Mm-hmm. If you look year over year, we're still up like 13.4% on uh, new home sales. But, you know, we have to face the reality. People aren't going to be going out and looking at homes now Mm -hmm. because of the social distancing. Mm -hmm. Virtual tours of homes, I think, probably is going to see a big bump. Mm -hmm. But, again, the key thing to recognize here is this is a blip. This, too, will pass. Mm -hmm. The fundamentals remain the same. They are still strong. 
And I think once this is all over, you're going to see a continuation of improvements in the market. We do still have shortages, of course, and particularly with the existing homes. Uh And uh, it's going to take a while for us to rectify that situation, but it's all moving in the right direction. You bet. Commissioner Montgomery, maybe you can speak to what we're talking about, the strength of the overall housing market as a sector right now. Sure, absolutely. Well, you had mentioned the 2008 crisis, and you're, you're very correct. That was, you know, over a very shaky real estate market. This go around, as the secretary articulated, while none of us wanted this to happen and hope it ends quickly, thankfully, it's during a, a rather strong housing market. And uh, certainly, you know, with people at home, the secretary's right, it'll be difficult to, to search for a home. And a lot of this happened as we were experiencing a, a refinance boom. Mm-hmm. Obviously, interest rates had gone down to near historic lows. How many times have we heard that? Mm-hmm. So we're also wanting to make sure that we can keep the oil flowing, if you will, for the borrowers who are trying to refinance. We've had operational and processing challenges, as has the industry. But the key thing we want to make sure is people understand, as the Secretary has said, that no one should lose their home as a result of this. And uh, FHA and obviously the, the GSEs, VA, and USDA home buying programs wanted to make sure that given everything families are worried about now, we wanted to help calm them and let them know they don't have to worry about their home right now. So we uh, all collectively hit the pause button for at least 60 days for the foreclosure moratorium. And there'll be other things announced here fairly soon. Yes. Uh, remarkable, by the way. And I think that's a phenomenal thing to help steady the ship and and give people that peace of mind. And maybe we can speak to that, Mr. Secretary, at the press conference Saturday. You mentioned foreclosure cessation for 60 days, I believe, and then also evictions for 60 days. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, we wanted to stop in their tracks any foreclosures or evictions that were going on. But we also wanted to emphasize to people that we have a relationship with with the servicers, and we've asked them to exercise forbearance. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen automatically. You know, if you foresee an issue with your mortgage payments, you need to contact your servicer, and they will work with you. We have a variety of things in the toolkit that happen before you would start even talking about foreclosures and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And those things are the first things that we want to begin to talk about, including some of the things that we use in cases of disasters. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, you know, we can tack your mortgage payment onto the end mm-hmm. of your regular mortgage at no interest. Then when you either sell or some other major change occurs, then you pay that off. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of things that can be done. I want to tack into this for a second because we have tens of thousands of realtors touch millions of homeowners, and one of the things we saw in the 2008 downturn was someone lost their job or their spouse lost a job, and they knew they were in trouble. But 50% of people did not contact their lender who were in trouble because they were embarrassed, and they didn't reach out. And so I think this is important for everyone to understand. You guys have taken great steps to reach out to all of your relationships Many of these banks have decided they're going to cooperate and be supportive, as well as the actual dynamic of forbearance itself. But you still have to contact your lender. If you think you're going to miss a payment or if you're going to get behind on a payment, it's still you have to call them and let them know. Is that correct? That's correct. And people should not be embarrassed. 
recognize that, you know, this is a widespread problem. Mm-hmm. You know, your neighbor may look like they're very prosperous. Right. Believe me, they're thinking the same thing you are. Right. So, in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. No That's doubt. Right. Well, again, it's powerful stuff. And I think, first of all, I, I can only imagine the amount of work that's going on behind the scenes to get something like this done and the size and the scope of the housing market and what you folks are doing. Remarkable. And speaking on behalf of the real estate industry, I just can't thank you guys enough for what you're doing. And we know on the front lines of real estate, this is belly to belly business and it's real life people and it's something that's so important to them. I know. Government people are not often thanked and acknowledged, but I just want to thank you guys. I have to tell you, at HUD, I always say, we have the ugliest building, but the best people. (laughs) (laughs) They have been working overtime, Mm. you know, night and day. Mm -hmm. Some at the building, some from home, every single day. You know, we recognize that we have an obligation to the people that we serve, and we're going to make sure... It is fulfilled. Well, that's brilliant stuff. And my wife is always, who, by the way, is I think she's a bigger fan of yours, Dr. Carson, than she is of mine. She prays for you all the time. But, you know, her dynamic is she always says to me, this has come to pass. It hasn't come to stay. And we actually did our interview with yeah. Dr. Lawrence Yoon. We actually entitled our episode, This Too Shall Pass. And I think that's very important for everybody to know. Well, thank your wife for her prayer. Tell her they're helping. If you have Beverly Buffini on your side, she has the direct phone line. So you're in good stead there. Commissioner Montgomery, in parts of the country, FHA is really an essential part of the housing offering. Do you see, as we come out of this, I know we have this huge stimulus package going on. We have all of these moving parts right now. Do you see any changes to FHA underwriting guidelines in the coming months? Well, here in the short term, we're obviously concerned, you know, that folks are worried about losing their home. And as the Secretary mentioned, we want to be sort of that voice of steady and calm. Mm -hmm. And we typically deploy those tools we have, by the way, following a large-scale natural disaster like a hurricane. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to point and say, well, the hurricane hit Florida or it hit Texas or something. And we can immediately look at the amount of inventory that's going to be impacted. This is something altogether different. We've never had to deploy these tools, you know, coast to coast. So Mm -hmm. we will be ready to deploy those as needed. So, again, we want to make sure homeowners uh, understand that. But we're also looking at ways, since we do largely exist without congressional support, we largely exist on the revenue created from premium collection, and as the Secretary mentioned, our mutual mortgage insurance fund, we want to make sure that whatever we do is done to make sure that borrowers that are accessing FHA are ready to buy, but also get them the tools that they're not quite ready to buy through home buying counseling and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. We just began to deploy the new condominium rule that makes it a little easier for borrowers to access FHA. Uh And we made some changes to our reverse mortgage program and elsewhere. In terms of other changes, given obviously what's been going on in the market here of late with this refinance boom and obviously what we're in the middle of with this pandemic, we're going to probably pop the brakes a little on some of the other changes going forward. But Again, we just want to be mindful that we have to balance our books here at FHA mm-hmm. and not be a drain on the taxpayers. You bet. You bet. On a, a little longer term, because, again, this is going to pass, I, I would love your take on this, both of you gentlemen. Uh, you know, as robust as our housing market was going into coronavirus, we were still mired in a housing shortage. Do you see the ongoing housing shortage impact and the ability of a first-time buyer, for example, to get in a home? 
you know, getting people out of the rental cycle, you know, longer than their parents were in it. Uh, you know, people are stuck in that rental cycle. And you mentioned, Secretary Carson, you know, it's $5,000 net worth versus $200,000 net worth. Do you think there will be an opportunity coming out of this where perhaps states might loosen some of the regulations? Like in California, it's very hard to build anything. Do you think there's any solutions for that? Do you think there's any ways that we can stimulate new housing growth to meet the needs that's going to be pent-up demand? Yeah, I'm actually encouraged about that. You know, we had started our uh, national bus tour, driving affordable housing across Mm -hmm. America tour, and talking with local officials and state officials about what they can do to remove some of the regulatory barriers that are preventing Mm -hmm. the building of affordable housing. And I think we're making very, very good progress. The other thing that is so important, we are a very innovative people, Uh an entrepreneurial people. And advances that have been made with manufactured housing, you know, people used to think of trailers and double wides. We're talking about things that look every bit Uh as nice as any site built. Uh It's less expensive, can be put up much more quickly. And we've thought about it as a rural solution, but it's now a good urban solution Mm -hmm. as well. Accessory dwelling devices, a whole host of modular homes, Mm -hmm. uh, 3D printable homes. All of these things have come online. They are ready to go. All we have to do is remove some of the regulatory barriers that prevent them from being utilized, and that's happening more and more. So I'm optimistic that we're on the verge of making some real good progress. That is exciting. And one of the things that's good news is millennials view modular homes as cool as opposed to thinking about our generation thinks of it as trailers, you know. They think of it as a cool, less impact on the environment and all these kinds of things. So I think that is a great way, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. And FHFA housing price index shows that they accumulate value at about the same rate mm. as site-built homes. So it's a great entry point, accumulate value, and then trade up. Love it. Love it. We love that, and as real estate professionals, we love that. We have a few minutes left here. I have one question on behalf of the real estate community. What can we do right now with our customers, with the marketplace, to support not only what you guys have going on with fair housing programs, but to support the real estate homeowner at this time? What would you ask of us at this time so we can step up as professionals and support what's going on in our country? I would just say, first of all, we enjoy tremendously the relationship we have with the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are great. And, you know, it's really about education and helping people to know what their rights are mm-hmm. and uh, who is covered. You know, some people think Fair Housing Act is only about subsidized housing. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's about all housing, public and private, throughout the country. And, you know, sometimes discriminatory practices occur out of habit or, you know, people just don't really think about it. And, you know, getting people to really talk about this and engage in understanding who the protected classes are and what their obligations are for them. We've been accused at HUD of pushing, you know, fair housing to the background. That's not true at all. Mm -hmm. But we do it in a way that we want to see it actually work. We want to see results and uh, not just a bunch of uh, bureaucratic accumulation. 
Let me ask two last questions here, and I'm going to direct it to you, Dr. Carson. One of the things you mentioned at the press conference on Saturday was that you're watching these levels of unity that are just so impressive on all fronts, both in government business partnerships and then also with the people themselves coming together, communities coming together. You know, we have a group of individuals who are the rock to their communities, but they need a little reassurance too. I I think it'd be great if you could speak to this unity that you're witnessing, that, you know, you're on the inside, we're on the outside looking in. It would be great if you could just share what you're witnessing in that regard. Well, you know, the number of companies that have stepped up and offered to produce whatever we need producing and to change their production lines has been very impressive. Mm -hmm. But even more impressive than that has been, you know, neighbors helping neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, in uh, Henderson, Kentucky, the uh, Housing Authority of Henderson turned their local Envision Center into a meal distribution point. Mm. So, you know, the schools were closed, and a lot of those kids, you know, they get their meals at school. So, you know, this is an example of how people are just reaching out. You know, for the most part, we Americans are peaceful people who care about their neighbors. That's something I discovered when I was running for president. Mm -hmm. A lot of good people. That's not the ones you see on the 630 News. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the people you know, pouring water on police's head and, and being hateful and trying to stop other people from talking. That's not who we are. Mm. And uh, it's so important for us to recognize that, not allow ourselves to be changed by the purveyors of, of hatred and division. No, that's so good. And we have thousands and thousands of agents that we were able to coordinate right before the stay-in-place orders came in that we're putting together little Popeye gifts, as we call them, of, you know, hand sanitizers, <laughs> necessary foods, those kinds of things, and then distribute them on the doorsteps of their older clients and older homeowners that they had in their client base. And over 4,000 real estate agents did this. It was actually a remarkable thing and reached just tens of thousands that, of homeowners. So fantastic that stuff. That is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So lastly, uh, you know, as a physician, your number one priority has always been caring for people. And I would just say, what words of encouragement do you have for our audience this time, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually? I know you're a man of deep faith. Uh, just a, what words of encouragement yeah. do you have for us? Well, you know, the words are already there. Mm-hmm. They're in our Pledge of Allegiance. Mm. One nation under God. It's in our national anthem at the end of that first stanza, where it says, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm. You can't be free unless you're brave. Mm. It's on every coin in our pocket and every bill in our wallet that says, in God we trust. Mm. And what we need to do is recognize it doesn't matter what your faith is. Godly principles of loving your fellow man, caring about your neighbor, developing your God-given talents to the utmost so that you become valuable to the people around you, having values and principles that govern your life. That's who we are. And if we do that, there is no issue that can conquer us Mm. as a people. That's amazing. Fantastic. I'm ready to go do 50 push-ups and do whatever I can for my country. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you, Commissioner oh, thank Montgomery. You. We so appreciate you thank guys. You. Thank you to everyone who's working in that ugly building and doing phenomenal work for the housing sector. And we're going to do our part to shore up 
housing. We're going to do our part to shore up our customers, and we're going to do our part to make sure that when we come out of this, that home ownership, that dream of home ownership that transforms people's lives is going to be more available for more people. So thank you for being part of our program today, gentlemen. God bless you, and head and rear down. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, all of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, what an honor it was to have those two men join us today. I think it's important in this world we live in that there's so much criticism of everything and everyone at all times, but it's important to know there really are some fantastic, talented people working on our behalf and getting it done, and that was inspiring stuff for me. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope this has been encouraging for you. Maybe there's someone you need to send this message to. So consume it yourself. Now more than ever, share it with a friend. Share our interview with Dr. Lawrence Yoon called This Too Shall Pass. It'll give people confidence and hope. If people are sitting at home right now and they're consuming negative media around the clock, it's going to have a negative effect on them. So let's put something good in their heads. Let's put this information in their heads. Let's share these podcasts with people so we can reach as many people as possible. And I'm going to share the Irish blessing with you today as we sign off. I hope this has been encouraging, insightful, educational, and uh, gives you hope and encouragement in a time of trouble. So may the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, as Dr. Carson said, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.